Thank you for joining us for Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I have a seven and a half year old named Naomi, and I'm excited that you are listening to Positively Dad today. This is one of our Dad Talk episodes. These come out every Thursday, and I love these. This is where I talk to a dad about being a dad. They're a lot of fun. Every Monday, I do what I call a more traditional podcast where we talk to an expert about something that we should consider as parents. And my goal is to help us grow as people, partners, and parents and allow us to get better. There aren't a lot of resources for dads. That's why I started this. When I found out I was going to be a dad, you know, eight years ago now, I thought, I want to be a good one. And I just didn't see a lot. And so I sat on this idea for a while. And back in March, we launched Positively Dad. It's been a ton of fun. And I thank everyone who's listened because we're growing together. And we're going to do that today. Today, I'm real excited to talk with a dad named Mike Richardson. Mike lives in Cincinnati. And he has a very, very interesting story. I'm sure there's a strong possibility that there are people listening that went through what he and his wife went through, and that was they struggled to get pregnant, and where they just had the realization that maybe they needed to go another route. And it turns out that other route really changed his life, it changed his wife's life, and it changed the life of a lot of kids. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that journey, their journey of what it was like to struggle with pregnancy, then their decision to become foster parents, which has led to an adoption and has had a huge impact on their life. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn a lot from today. So let's jump in. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Hey, good. Well, you know what? I think you're going to be able to help us out a lot today because you have a little different perspective on fatherhood. So tell us a little bit about your family's story. All right. So my wife and I, decided to try to have kids when we turned 30. And then about 33 came and there still were no kids. So we decided that something else might need to take place in order for us to start a family. We looked at our options. There was adoption, there was in vitro fertilization and all this other jazz. And throughout some of the research, we decided on looking into foster care. Mm -hmm. So that allowed us to take some classes and learn a little bit more about the systems and processes and we chose to take that route to grow our family. That's great. I want to ask you some questions, if you don't mind, about that three years, because I'm sure we have dads who are listening that either have experienced that, they're experiencing it now, maybe they'd like to be a dad someday, and they, they're going through what you went through. How did you and, and your wife handle that three years? I mean, it was the good news was we stayed busy. She was a full-time nurse practitioner. I was full-time working my job as well. And we kept ourselves busy, but in the back of our minds, we kind of felt like something's going on, what's going on. So I think there was a little bit of uh, tension and a little bit of not resentment, but just something, you know, that wasn't, that should have just, you know, cause you see your friends there, you know, Oh, so-and-so's pregnant for the fifth time. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just, it's good. You start feeling down about yourself a little bit. Yeah. Well, you guys got through that time and I imagined with just that there were times that it was really difficult and times that, you know, you were just able to make decisions and your decision came to, for us, we're going to look at foster care. So you jumped into that and that's been an important part of your life. Tell us about it. Yeah, most definitely. So we started out and again, I think everyone has an idea of what they want their life to look like. Ours was we want a boy and a girl. We want the boy to be older, girl to be younger and grow up and have a happy family with two kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you did. And of course, the thing is, having a family is not going into the restaurant and ordering off the menu, right? So you just kind of... (laughs) It's not. You deal with whatever comes to you. And that's what you guys had to adapt and deal with that. 
Yeah, most definitely. And part of part of the whole foster care system, you, and you, if you've ever been through this, it, it, it is somewhat like ordering from a restaurant. Sadly, it, you know, you have these people, they give you these paperwork on what you're comfortable with because they don't want to place people with a child that they're not comfortable raising or they don't feel like they have the skill set to raise. So it's a hard questionnaire to answer, but you have to be really truthful to yourself. But yeah, so we went down that road and our uh, first call was we have a set of twins and we were like, oh my gosh, this is great. About an hour later, when they were supposed to arrive, we got another call saying that there was a delay. We don't understand what a delay means. We were just expecting kids to come. I was at Ikea picking up a second crib because we only had one crib at the time. But it turned out there was another brother, a half-brother, that they wanted to keep together. So my wife and I had about 35 minutes to decide if we were going to return the second crib to Ikea and say, we're not going to take these kids. Or if we say, yep, let's take the second crib and take in a three-and-a-half-year-old as well as two-year-old twins. So we said yes. And we went from having zero kids one day to having three toddlers all in diapers basically the same day. That's a, a shift. Yeah, a little bit. So how did you guys make that work? We had a lot of help from friends, family members, people that are in the foster community where we live. We had a lady drop off toothpaste, toothbrushes, some diapers, a bin of clothes that might fit some of them. They might not. Some PJs. There was a lot of help. And we started to understand that that's an important part if you're going to do the foster care system is you need those resources around you because it is scary and cumbersome. Now, when was this that you guys began to foster these three? This was about going on four and a half, five years ago that okay, we got so, those three kids. So about 2014 or so. Give or take, yep. Yeah. And what was the what did that look like? How long were they with you and, and what's happened with them since? So they came to us with the intention of going back to their grandparents without giving away too much information because a sure. lot of it is private because these are some sensitive subjects. But right. they they were intent intent was to go back to their grandparents. And again, we were scared. We didn't know how that was. And it turned out that their grandparents were good people. They just, you know, they were, you know, they, 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 that was their intent. Well, well, things so happened, and with, that's why this, why, that's why this program exists. And, it does. and, and you, think, you're filling the gap. We are, and I think the biggest thing that people need to understand, or at least my my important message is what I've learned is the foster care system is not because anything happened with these kids. These kids are just a byproduct of someone else's potentially poor decision or lack of understanding of something. So it's just a byproduct. And they were with us for about four months. We got the older one potty trained. He was awesome. He was probably one of the smartest kids I've ever met. It was such a fun time with him. I will be honest though, that the younger kids, the two-year-olds, it had a much harder time with me. I I Mm -hmm. struggled mightily with their inability to communicate like the older one could. And just to get happy in the first kids, you know, you have normally have two years to learn how to communicate with a toddler. If you just get that toddler and you're responsible for him 24 hours a day or her, that's very hard to deal with it. So yeah. that was a very big struggle of mine. Well, so what did you learn about that? Because, I mean, you guys are still fostering and this is part of your life. What did you learn about that experience? So we learned, or at least I learned, I guess I should talk about myself. I learned that toddlers are probably my hardest age. That two mm-hmm. to three and a half, four-year-old is by far the hardest age. But I think the biggest thing is, Kids are very, very, very durable. They can get thrown into crazy situations. They can get ripped away from the loved ones they've known and thrive. They can really thrive and do good with some structure, some 
basic needs being met and a lot of love. That's a Just, really good thing that, that, you know, that kids can do that. Yeah. So what's your story been since then, since you helped out these kids? So since then, we had another boy. The, last, the next one that came, he was five years old. He was only with us for two months. He was going to go to his aunt's house in Texas. That was a really rough situation for him because he has been through stuff I don't even want to express or nobody can really even think of. It was very sad. And we saw a lot of pain and a lot of anger and just sadness in him. So that was a whole different situation, which, you know, he's since back kind of with his family, kind of not. We really don't hope have too much communication with most of these kids once they leave. But we had him for a couple months. And then I was working one day and we got a phone call while I had the five-year-old with us. He was pretty much about two weeks out of going to Texas, what the plan was. And they got a phone call saying there was a six-week-old baby boy that they needed to find a home for. And I was frightened because I never had a baby. I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. I still was questioning my ability to be a dad. And I remember I took him to work that day with me. And he was in the back of the seat while I, uh, or in the back of the car while I was driving, talking to my wife. And she, you know, laid it out that there was a kid and we wanted to decide if we were going to say yes or no. And I hung up the phone and he was like, what was that about? And I told him that another family needed us to maybe take a look or watch over their, their son. And I was nervous because I don't know if I would be a good dad to him. And because I never really told, like, we never had the connection that the five-year-old I was a dad figure. I was just Mr. Mike, and I was there to protect him and help him for, throughout this process. So he said, well, why would you be a bad dad? You're a great dad to me. And just mm. having him say that to me was like, oh my gosh, you, one, are giving me the okay to do this. And it gave me a lot of confidence. So that, yeah. was, that was a great, great thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's more than a great thing. That had to be yeah. emotional and really, really touching. It was. Most definitely. It was, it, was, it was crazy having him express that and see that in me. Yeah. At five years my old. Goodness. Yes, yes, yes. So then with that, oh my gosh, then, then what happens? So the, the little six-week-old we got, and he's been with us ever since. He was in uh, foster care for 655 days with us. Wow. We adopted him. He is a little mini me. He is mm -hmm. about to turn four in January. Wow. And he follows my mannerisms, my facial expressions, my emotions, mm. and it's frightening, frightening, frightening how much he is me. Yeah. Well, my wife doesn't son. like it because she's outnumbered. Uh, well, he's, I mean, he's your son, right? So yeah. he, he yeah, would definitely. be like you. Do people ever say you look alike? Oh, yeah. All the yeah. time. And we, yeah. when we started this conversation, it was, you know, with my wife about fostering, it was when are we, you know, we're going to be open and tell people, you know, Hey, uh -huh. this is your story. You, you know, we're not going to try to pretend that, you know, you're not, you didn't go through this in your life or you weren't uh -huh. adopted or whatever, but it's never going to come up. No one will ever question that he yeah. isn't ours. And sure. I try to tell people, Oh, you know, he was adopted. They're like, no, he yeah. wasn't. Like there's yeah. no way he was adopted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when, when my mother remarried, when I was seven, her husband adopted me. And so that's what, when I talk about my dad, that's what I talk about is, is my mother's second exactly. husband. And, and it's fun when we're together and people will say, you know, oh, is this your dad? And yes. Oh, well, I can tell. You guys look so much. And I'm like, well, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a coincidence. Right. Yeah, frankly. you kind of have, you, you probably look at each other and you have this like, yeah. it's just fun. Like, yeah, where you're just like, yeah, it's great. It's fun. Yeah, it's just fun. And and so I was just curious about that because you described him as your mini me. So, okay, so now here it is. You, you basically, 
got permission from a five-year-old who you were fostering, who has, who's moved on. He's no longer with you to, you know, welcome this, this baby into your world. This, 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 this baby is growing into your, your, your son. He's your, he's this young man who lives in your house. I mean, you've had quite the parenting journey you and your wife have, and this is not the parenting journey you planned. How do you feel about it now? I love it. I I think it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I got to prepare and see different aspects from, you know, the toddler age to the five-year-old age. So I have expectations on, you know, things that are going to happen in my son's life. You know, he went from six weeks with us. Now he's past the twos into the terrible threes and he's slowly growing into like he'll be four. And I I have, I guess, a uh, game plan in my head on things he should do and can do and pushing him to make sure he's the best. And I know there was a conversation with the earlier episode that I was listening to about talking to your child. And Mm -hmm. we have always talked to him. I mean, since he was six weeks old as with words, we didn't baby talk and it was great. And his vocabulary, he was sitting in bed with me this morning. He came in the bedroom and he's talking about how when the fans on it, similar to an airplane engine moving. And I'm like, it it is similar to an airplane blade moving like crazy. Yeah. I'm glad you listened to that episode. That's one of my favorite ones. And people should go back and listen to that. We've always spoken to Naomi that way, as I referenced in that episode. And the things Mm -hmm. that come out of her mouth that you go, why is this? She's seven and a half. How does the seven and a half year old say it? And, you know, quite frankly, for her, even now, I mean, she's in a gifted program at school. And it's really because of the language. I mean, just what she's the Mm -hmm. type of word she uses and how she thinks. So good for you. Not all of it's easy, though, right? That language, I think, is it, it helps them express themselves. It helps them give them confidence. And that's just, it, it's great to see them grow with confidence and have that ability to express their feelings, express their sadness, express their anger, express their emotions using words that are are beneficial to them. All right. So this is not all perfect and easy, though. I mean, I imagine there have been times during this that have been really challenging. Yeah, most definitely. I think our we're we're at that point right now where we're we're kind of putting the brakes on accepting new foster children at the moment so that my wife and I can work on our marriage. We we need to be more intentional about our relationship. We need to be more intentional about date nights. We need to be more intentional about the little things that during normal parenting and parenthood maybe gets pushed under the rug a little bit. But with foster care, you do that, you push them under the rug. Plus, there's a lot of other emotions that are built in, resentment, anger, you know, just, just stuff that pops up, maybe not towards each other, but just towards the process. Yeah. And we're trying to make sure that we can uh, do what's best for Jaden and get ourselves so that he can see a good, happy, loving relationship moving yeah. forward. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that whenever you're outside of the, I I guess for lack of a better term, I'll call it the traditional family, that there are going to be other stressors that come in because you deal with more than, you know, hey, do we want to bring these kids in or these kids are only going to be with us for a period of time and you develop a relationship with them. And so there's emotional Mm -hmm. highs and lows, I'm sure, and all these different things that I imagine if you aren't careful can impact your marriage with, with between you and your wife. And you're saying that, yeah, I can't. 100%. 100%. And and I don't yeah. want to think that I'm I'm alone. I think everyone will see those things, but they might just yeah. be uh, accelerated well, in this situation. Yeah, so they can just be, yeah, they could be amplified, right? They could be amplified. And and that's one thing I've, I've talked about before with, with Terry and I is that we, it's date night once a week. And in fact, we, we talked about this and I'm sorry, I don't remember which dad it was. I talked to a dad about this in one of our dad talks. And he said, when, when he doesn't you know, have his weekly date nights, I think this was with Chad McCammy. 
it was and, Chad. Um, it was Chad. Yeah. yeah. And so Chad talks about being intentional. And he's like, if I don't, if, if he and his wife don't have their weekly date nights, it starts to get funky. And I would imagine mm-hmm. if you have a less traditional family dynamic, it could be the same way. Everyone goes through stuff. And then you add in the, do we have kids now or not? Are they leaving? Are they going? You know, what's, you know, so you add in that piece to it as well. So get I those agree. date nights on the calendar, right? Every week. Most definitely. Yep. Most definitely. Yep. Once a week. All right. So. So if you are talking to a family who's thinking about foster care, what, what advice would you give them? I would say over-prepare. Talk to other foster parents. Try to find a support system. Talk to your family and let them know that this is meaningful to you. This is something that you want to do. And I guess depending on how that goes, go into it understanding that no one is going to understand how you feel. Everyone is going to say something that rubs you the wrong way, and they don't mean to say something to upset you. They just, it's, it's such a unique situation that you have to be very open minded and very forgiving of people. Because, yes, when you know, people say, Oh, I could never do that, I'd fall in love with them. That is exactly the goal of what we want to do. We want to fall in love with these kids. We want to show them that they're loved. We want to show them that there's something better out there for them. If that doesn't mean that they stay with you, that doesn't matter. That short time frame, whether it's two months, six months, two years, they can see that there's something better out there. And my goal is to let them see that and hopefully that'll impact their lives. And that's, yeah. that's it. You can't, you know, you're not raising them. You're not saying that you have to be with them the rest of their lives. It's just you're making an impact for the time that you're with them. One that they, while they may not, you know, actually remember it, it will impact them for the rest of their life. Yeah, most definitely. They're just that nurturing, the ability to be nurtured. There's a lot of of studies on neglect and how that enables you to grow further in, in yourself, even subconsciously as a kid, you know, when you're not nurtured as a baby or in utero, you know, there's a lot of lot of hurdles that are put in front of you. So I'm going to try to take those away. What about parenting? I mean, now that that you are a, a dad of your son, what have you what what have you learned about parenting that you think other dads should know? It's it's ever changing, and I think you just need to make sure that you put the best interest of your kids and give them confidence. I see the confidence that my son has, and it makes me proud. I think giving him the ability to go grow in his life, however he decides to, or whichever path he takes, just having some confidence is, is really is really a good tool for him in the future, especially with the way technology is changing things and the depersonalization of, of things. I want him to be able to have those personal communications and confidence in interacting with others and, and you, showing love. I want, I want him to show love. Yeah. How do you help him? Do you think, what, what, what are you doing to help them build confidence? We do some daily affirmations. I know uh, in, in, in trainings that we do, there's, you know, affirmations where you look in the mirror and you smile and you tell yourself you're pretty and you're good and you're strong and you're going to have a great day. But changing the language that he uses, I, I won't let him use the word can't. I mean, I mean, when he was one and a half or two, he'd say, I can't do this. I'm like, you might not know how to do it yet, but don't say can't. So taking simple words out of his language really not being okay with him being down on himself, you know, expressing if he's angry, say, okay, it's okay to be angry, buddy. Let's, let's see why you're angry and understanding the, that that's an okay feeling and how to process that and how to take that anger and turn it into something good, get past it, take a couple of deep breaths, slow down and move forward. 
it's just a, it's a lifestyle change. It's, it's not a one thing. It's just an everyday type of conditioning, I think. Those words matter. We talked to uh, Jared Rutherford about this. Jared has four kids all under the, all 10 or younger. And one thing mm-hmm. they talked about was every morning they're, they're doing affirmations and, you know, positive I am statements and stuff like that. And he says the impact that has, even on days that they're like, dad, do I really have to say this? You know, even on those days, it just, it really helps change their, their mindset and their focus. And so when your son says, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I can't do this. And you go, well, or you're learning how to, and, and, and I made reference to a time that Naomi was probably, I'm going to say four and mm-hmm. maybe younger and we're driving home from, from school or daycare or whatever it was. And she had a little book in the back and I'm like, well, read, read the book to me. And she says, daddy, I can't read yet. And it was one of those things that I, I was like, I almost pulled the car over. I was so happy because of the one little word she said at the end, yeah. which was yet. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, I can't read, it was, I can't read yet. And I thought, what if for the things that we're challenged by, we just added that word yet at the end. And that's, this, what, yeah. that's basically what you're teaching your son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And again, it's, it's making sure he uses those words, vocalizing them so that they don't get lost in translation or just forgot about. Yeah. Well, Mike, we learned so much from you today. Thank you for taking the time Thanks, out. Man. Thank you for what you've done for so many kids. And now you've got, you know, a little boy who's looking up to you as his daddy. Just thank you for sharing with us and thank you for all you do. And we just wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Take care. You got it. Great stuff from Mike. I learned a lot. Just a lot of stuff to think about. It's not always pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. And their journey has been a challenge. And then even, you know, challenges as a foster parent, challenges in their relationship and in their marriage. And it's normal stuff. And I think we all learned a lot from that today. So I trust you got some value out of that. You know, if if foster is something you're thinking about or even just supporting kids that that through no fault of their own have had to go back and, you know, the state has to come in and help them, well, we've got some resources for you that I think, you know, might be worth looking at to, to help you. One is here in the Tampa Bay area where we live, we talked with the Guardian at Lightham Foundation of Tampa Bay. And chances are you have an organization like that close to wherever you are. And this organization's job is to go in and help these kids when they've been taken away from home at no fault of their own. And, and they just you know need someone to kind of look out for them and their best interest as this process moves through the legal system. That is episode number 34. It's called Be a Hero for Kids. And, and you know the organizations like that need your help. They want you to come in and support them and, and help these kids out. So you might want to go back and listen to that one. The other one we referenced was the conversation with Chad McCammy on being an intentional dad. And that's when we talked about, you know, dating your spouse and what you're doing with your kids. That is Dad Talk episode number 14, Chad McCammy on being an intentional dad. So those might be some ones to go back and listen to as kind of a wrap up to the conversation we had with Mike today. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Positively Dad. I trust it added some value to you and that you learned something and got some great stuff out of it. Man, if it did, would you rate us wherever you're listening, the, you know, whatever platform, five stars would be awesome. Maybe going in and writing a review, that would be great as well. We'd also love to connect with you on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Positively Dad. Just look for us there. And then finally, if you're a dad who'd like to be on one of these Dad Talk episodes, If you email me, I'll interview you. It's that simple. James at PositivelyDad.com. Let's get it on the schedule and share kind of your thoughts about being a dad with our listeners. 
And then finally, if you know somebody who'd be a great guest, email me as well, james at positivelydad.com. All right, I thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.